God. It's the most adorable thing. Is it really? Yeah, there's you appearing on Nobody top. Nobody likes the word adorable, do they? <laughs> Is that a good word? Welcome to a very special Christmas edition of Walking the Dog. My guest is the dream guest for any Christmas sing-along because he kind of knows his way around a piano quite well. It's only Jamie Cullum. He sold over 10 million albums and he's got fans all over the globe. He's even played at the White House. Jamie and I met in Northwest London and he was fabulous. We talked about his early years, what it was like to become a musical sensation at such a young age, his lovely relationship with his wife Sophie Dahl and getting to play for Barack Obama. Jamie does have a dog called Jojo who's a beautiful rescue but she gets quite anxious in new spaces. I know the feeling Jojo. So he made the very responsible decision to leave her at home and instead we took out wait for this, Daniel the Spaniel from the Dogs Trust, who are an incredible organisation that help not just with rehoming dogs, but also they provide services to help owners struggling to keep dogs. So please do visit dogstrust.org.uk for more info or to donate, because they need your money right now. Jamie is a real gent. He's very sweet-natured and he clearly loves dogs. So all in all, I can't get enough of Cullum. And I guarantee you will love his album, The Piano Man at Christmas. It's a beautiful collection of his own Christmas-inspired songs. It's nostalgic and warm and gorgeously seasonal, a bit like Jamie himself. So do give it a download. I really hope you enjoy my walk with Jamie and Daniel the Spaniel and Ray. And oh yes, happy Christmas to all my lovely, loyal, walking the dog listeners. Ray's very kindly given me a present early doors this year, so I better go and clean it up. I'll shut up now and hand over to the man himself. Here's Jamie. How old is Raymond? Raymond? Ageless. <laughs> He's ageless, surely. If you wanted to pick the total opposite to your dog, my dog is the uh, is the answer. Not just, I mean, it, he's, he's, I'll, 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 I'll tell you. I'm Look, gonna, I'm going to put his, I'll put his harness on. Jamie, I, I love that we've started at the bandstand. It's so appropriate. <laughs> what is he? What is his breed? <laughs> I love, I love how unbalanced the, the just general selection of hair is. It's amazing. Jamie's not talking about me, by yeah. the way. <laughs> It's the proportion of the hair is so is so. It's the opposite of aerodynamic, isn't it? <laughs> Jamie is shaming my dog's hair. Definitely not. I've listened. I've got no, nothing, nothing to uh, nothing to own up to there. So what an amazing! I, I I love him. He's amazing. Well, we've got two dogs today, haven't we? We've got my dog Raymond, who's a Shih Tzu. A Shih Tzu. That's right. There we go. Now I know what I'm talking about. My brother has one. Two oh, does actually. He? Yeah. Ben. Yeah. That's right, he has two Shih Tzus. And we have Daniel, which we've borrowed. I don't quite know, where did Daniel come from again? Um, he's from Dogs Trust Darlington. Dogs Trust Darlington. Daniel's really, he loves catching leaves. You just throw him a leaf, he's happy. And what, and what kind of dog is Daniel? He's a Springer Cocker Mix. Oh, can't we call him Daniel the Spaniel? Daniel's, oh, absolutely. They're communicating through the uh, medium of urine. <laughs> <laughs> so the reason I brought Daniel the Spaniel, or this lovely um, friend of ours from the Dogs Trust has, is because I know you you have a rescue dog. I do, yeah. And I work a lot with Dogs Trust because um, obviously it's a brilliant charity and cause. So I beautiful. thought we'd bring along the rescue, Jamie, just because then you can tell me about your rescue. You've got a dog, I've got a dog. Yes. No one feels left out. Exactly. Come on, Daniel, we're going. Come on. Come on. Come on. Now, Come on. Jamie, this is your manor. 
So, well, it was your manner, so I'm going to rely on you directions-wise. Do you know what? It, it, I, 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 I feel you've been sold a bit of a lie there. <laughs> uh, I never quite made it to Queen's Park. I kept really within, like, the Kensall Rise kind of triangle between three <laughs> pubs, and we, 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 we rarely left there, to be honest. We might end up here by accident. <laughs> but I was here in my... I, was here in my I, was, I, I lived in this part of London in my 20s. This is um, West London, sort of North West London. North West London, yeah, we're in Queen's, we're in Queen's Park. So I, 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 but I was probably about a mile and a half down the road and that's practically another country in London, isn't it, really? I want to, I should introduce you, Jamie. I'm really excited about this because I'm such a fan of your music. And Thank you. I was saying to you earlier, it's kind of got me through this year. Um, I'm with the very wonderful Jamie Cullum who is, I mean, he's got so many accolades to his name, I don't even know where to stop, but I just love his music, really. Um, that's how I'm going to describe him. I'm very flattered, thank you happy. so much. And uh, I'm so thrilled to have you, and I've been dying to get you on my podcast, and it turns out you're in London. You don't live in London, do you? No, I live outside of London now, but I, I lived here I lived here for a good 12 years. Hello. Oh my God, how are you doing? I'm very well. Hi, Teresa. This is Emily. We're actually recording. A, we're actually recording a podcast right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. It's like this is going out live to the nation. This is Louis from my record label, Head of Island Records. Yeah, yeah. Louis, I'm Emily. This is Raymond. My podcast is for the Times, and it's called Walking the Dog. And I take people for a walk with their dogs. Jamie's. Obviously, his dog is at home, so he's got We've a rescue dog. We've got a rescue dog, dog called Daniel oh, with us. Wow. Come on, Daniel, come and oh. say hi. He likes and this leaves. Is, this is Raymond, and Jamie's right. already... Oh, God, he's go gorgeous. <laughs> Absolutely adorable. Oh, my Lord. I have to get one. What, what, what make is it? Well, he's such a head of a record company. What make is it? <laughs> what you, brand is it? Can you get someone on that, please? <laughs> I want that. Shit too. Two of these. Yeah. So how's the interview going? Well, we well, just literally just started. Like, yeah, exactly. And she was just flattering me. <laughs> Come on then, let's All get right. walking. See you, Lou. We were well, really Bye. nice to meet you. Bye. Hi. Bye. Come on. What a dog. <laughs> oh, come on, Daniel. Daniel, come here. Come here. Good boy. Oh, you're so lovely, aren't you? <laughs> you see, you're a dad, so how do you feel when you hear that? I, f I feel more for the parents than anything else. <laughs> you know, you know what they've got to, you know what they've got to do. You know what they've got to get done. They're just trying to get through their day, aren't they? Kind of putting out fires. How do you deal with it when your kids cry in public? Um, how do I deal with it? I think, I think the point is, it's very easy to, it's very easy to forget that there's obviously a reason, and yeah. there's obviously a reason why they're they're having a bit of a freak out and try and concentrate on that rather than kind of feeling any kind of embarrassment. And actually, generally, I think if you're a parent and you see another parent whose kid's having a hard time, they have some level of understanding that they just need to be left alone to get on with it and not judged and just, there you go. Yes. We're all in it together. Yeah. Oh, Jamie, you, you sound like a good dad. Do you think? Yeah. Just I on that one statement alone. <laughs> I like it. That's, that's quite a past the test already. So we should, um, yeah, we were in the middle of explaining. You just ran into your, I was going to say your colleague from Island Records, but he was the head of Louis. Yeah. Was he the head of Island Records? He's the head of Island Records, Louis Bloom, yeah. He's so young, isn't he? He is, yeah, yeah. Rec re the record industry is young. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm older than most of them now. Oh, don't say yeah. that, Jamie Collins. <laughs> Hello, darling. Raymond's just on a poo in front of the little child. Sorry about that, guys. 
<laughs> that was actually so ninja the way you did that. It's like it's like I'm so impressed. There was no kind of faffing around. You just scooped it up like it was. I'm a as, pro. Like breathing. I'm a pro, Jamie. You are a pro. So we're not with we're in Queens Park today, and the reason we're here and we're with a dog from the Dogs Trust, Daniel the Spaniel, is because you're in London for the day, kind of working, aren't you? But you didn't bring your dog, is there, and tell me why that is, and tell me a bit about your dog. So I've never had a dog before. I didn't grow Can up with dogs. Way? I grew up with many people who had dogs, and were around dogs. Come on, Daniel, come on, come on. Uh, and we got, uh, my wife and I, Sophie and I, we got, we, we got a, a rescue dog about four years ago from an amazing charity called Wild at Heart Foundation. I was neither pro or against dog. I'm just, I'm quite, I'm quite easy going in that sense. Yeah, let's get a dog, that sounds great. Um, and she has been the most difficult and the best thing in our life. She's, she's, she's amazing, but um, she, uh, she's definitely, I think you'd describe her as like a reactive dog. She's very anxious, she's very hypervigilant. Um, and so she's wonderful at home. She's such a, a lovely dog. She's so kind and gentle and mm. tidy and just... She's just a loving, 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 and she's very, there's a very human aspect to her. I think probably a lot of people say that about their dogs, but she's very, very difficult around other dogs and anywhere outside where we live. She's virtually she? kind of impossible. So, and I think we've just realized that the happiest way for her to live her life is to accept who she is. And if rather than trying to say, no, you're going to get in the back of the car and you are going to come to the beach and you're going to like it, which you kind of you fantasize what your dog's going to be like. I don't know, maybe maybe I did. And uh, eventually we just realized that we had to we had to uh, we had to accept accept the personality that she is and that she had a you know, she was found on a rubbish dump. Um, and was I mean I think they thought she was she was barely alive when they found her as a puppy. And, uh, and where was this, Jamie? It was uh, I think it was in in Lesbos in Greece. Gosh. Um, and She's such a, she's an amazing presence in our life. She's a total part of our family, but she's not a dog. I mean, the idea of taking her here to me, it, it's, like a, it's like a comedy sketch in waiting. She'd just be skitting around everywhere, freaking out. Aww. If she could smell a deer from five miles away, she'd be off like a shot. You know, she's, she's kind of like a, a beautiful, wild animal. I, do you know, I think that's really lovely, that story, because it tells me that you and Sophie, your approach was very much, let's... I don't know. Let's let her be her own person in a strange way that you're working around her. So you're right. We tend to do that with dogs, don't we? We think, I want a dog to be like this rather than think, well, they're sort of sentient beings. Well, I think they are with their own, their own needs and they, they come differently, don't they? Well, that was not uh, initially, um, I think I, did, I didn't know that because I had no experience. <laughs> But we, we, we got in and touch you were with like, her. Why aren't you behaving like a normal dog? Well, I mean, to be honest, I did, I did think that. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we were reading all the books and all these different approaches. And then we, we got a dog trainer and it was like, don't look at them here. And, do, you yeah. know, there was the, the problem is also she's not food motivated. So you can't train her with food. I mean, she, if she doesn't want to eat, she can go for a couple of days without eating. But uh, we, we met an amazing uh, 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 dog trainer who just, he really helped us understand exactly what you just said about you know, we try and make dogs into exactly what we, we want mm. them to be. And actually, sometimes they need to be who they are. And actually, we found out a way to make sure that her life is 
is as happy as it can be, really. Jamie. Oh, that, oh it's, my, it's my dog, isn't it? Come on, Daniel. Come on. Come on, you've got to stay with us. You've got to stay with us. Raymond, yeah, do you know they're playing really nicely together? Look. Does uh, Raymond uh, play nice with most other dogs? He Raymond's doesn't... really submissive. Right. Do you know what, Raymond? Raymond is a people pleaser. Because I'm quite a people pleaser, and I think he is as well. So in a social situation, he'll let the dog come to him. He lets them take control. Right. And it seems to work well. I think he's worked out that he's small, so... You don't seem like someone who does that off the top of my head, though. <laughs> I'm not saying you're not a people pleaser. If someone, if someone with a bigger personality than me came in, I would let them win. Yes. Do you see? I, t- I totally know that, because I, I recognise that in my myself for, for Are you like years. that? I mean, I think it took me a long time to realise that you could say no to things, uh, for sure, for, 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 for many years, and not letting people, not wanting to let people down to my detriment for quite a few years. But I think that's quite common for people starting off mm. youngish in the music industry and an industry where you assume everyone else knows better than you. Yeah. Um, and actually it takes you a while to kind of follow your own intuition and your own instinct. Come on, Daniel. This way, we're over here. Jamie, um, I want to go back to your childhood. You didn't have a dog, did you, growing no, up? No, I did not. And your parents, were they... So I had this idea of a dog family, and it sounds to me like you and Sophie have created what I would describe as the dream dog family. It's like <laughs> you've got the dog, you've got a lovely house, you've got the kids, it all... It feels that like you've got stability, and yet I feel you had that as a as a kid you've always talked about your family life being quite stable yes i mean it, it definitely uh, I, I think i've come to understand my family life in a lot more interesting way as I've, I've 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 gotten older because it's really i hadn't realized the impact of both my parents being um you know fresh off a boat from other countries um as as children um my, my dad was born in jerusalem uh, and my mum was born in Burma and they both came over as, as young children and had to kind of make their way in the really kind of challenging circumstances yeah. but also being slightly kind of corralled into being as British as they possibly could. Um, so it, 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 it's, it's quite interesting to me how, how much of their life and their parents' life were kind of cauterised kind of culturally. So yeah. actually I had an Indian grandfather and a Burmese grandmother. And I had a very Prussian Jewish grandmother, and you know the only English part of my family is my dad's dad, who who, who died before I was born. He died oh, very really? young. So I had this incredibly culturally diverse background, but I think they were because they were shoved into this country, um, and and very much kind of had to get on in the best way they could under quite challenge under very challenging circumstances. Um, I feel like they. They, they made it stable because that's, they, they, had, they had to make it uh, stable. Uh, and they're, they're great people, my, my parents, and they're amazing. It sounds like your parents are actually very creative and it was a very musical, sort of, sort of quite cultural family environment. And I think I get the impression from you that you know, your dad worked in finance and I wonder whether there's a sense that's quite common with people, sort of immigrant parents in a way, is I'm going to let my... I'm going to do this job so my kids have the freedom to do what they want. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, I mean, that's a very perceptive thing to say because I think my parents easily both could have been led creative lives for sure, but 
the, the idea of that would have been a joke. And to be honest, when I was growing up, whilst I was pursuing creative things, the idea of it being my job was never something I would have considered. Not until I was... I didn't really even think I would do a creative job till I was in my late teens. Even when I was studying a mixture of film and English and all those things at uni, I still thought, well, I'll still end up with a proper job mm. and I'll do this on the week. I'll play in pubs on the weekend. Did you? Well, yeah. And Look, what's happened to Daniel, Jamie? What's he doing? I, he's, he's playing with the Tai Chi people. Are they doing Tai Chi? <laughs> I'm not sure. Interpretive dance. Come on, Daniel. Who's your master, Daniel? Is it me? I don't think it is. He's very, uh, he's such a happy little fella, isn't he? He's, he's got he's such a nice energy. Oh. Who said that? The park warden said, right. we have, do we have to put them both on the lead? Okay, he's okay on the lead. Wait, I'll, I'll put him on the lead, no worries. You sure? Yeah, of course. Come on, good boy. Come on, let's go. We could way. grab a cheeky coffee on the way. That sounds great. Would you like that? I'm in, I'd love I'll that. I'll treat you because I want, that. just to congratulate you on your brilliant album, which we're going to discuss. I'm eating in the Christmas mood. <laughs> Oh, I love it, Jamie. I'm so happy to hear I that. I love it. I loved making it. It was so, it was so fun and quite a challenge to write new. It's actually more of a challenge than, than I expected to write new Christmas songs that tried to sound, that were aiming to sound kind of classic. But once I started kind of getting into my notes about all the things I wanted to write about at Christmas, it just started kind of flowing. Did you talk, did you, were you inspired at all by your kids or anything? Or... Do you just... I think, yeah, inspired by kind of family Christmases and, yeah. and you know, obviously ones and just trying to remember things I experienced as a kid and also, yeah, the, the newer Christmases you have with your own children. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, a it's, a, it's, a, it's a rich thing to write about. And I think it's trying to treat it uncynically as well. Jamie, what can I get you and also you guys? Uh, what are you getting? Oh, a night... Do you know what? I fancy quite... A sort of 80s latte. Oh, no. good, good for you. Excellent. I won't join you in that, but I'll have a black coffee, please. Yeah. A black coffee's are good. They 70s, are they? So you're, um, yeah, when you're growing up, I'm interested in that. We were talking about your family, and but it wasn't like a pet's family. We always had cats. Oh, cats, you? but but because both my parents worked, it just wouldn't we wouldn't have been able to have a dog really anyway. Yeah. Um, but no, we, we always had cats. So I love I love. We, there was never there was, my parents are never not near a cat. Really? So they're, they're definitely more kind of cat people. I know there's a bit of a kind of social divide between people that love cats and people that love dogs, isn't there? Which are you? Uh, are you well, I'm both now because we have cats and dogs. Do you? Yeah, no, I lo I lo I'm, I'm just a kind of animal. I like animals. You know, I'm an animal. I'm an animal person. Daniel, aka I love animals, is 11 and a half years old. Really? Yeah. How old's your dog, Jamie? She's probably about four now, I reckon. I suppose you don't know, do you? Yeah, it's not. I mean, yeah, she's, she's definitely around four, four years old, yeah. And do you walk her? Does Sophie walk her? Or yeah, we walk her, we walk her together or whenever, you know, whoever's around. Um, I guess she's got, because you live in the country, you've probably got more outdoor space, haven't you, as well? So yeah, so can, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely, I mean, I, again, I couldn't walk, I couldn't walk. I couldn't could walk you not? No. No. She just wouldn't enjoy it. It wouldn't be an enjoyable experience for her at all. She'd be like, no, this, this is all wrong. Every single aspect of this is wrong for her. There's cars, people, really? other dogs. You've got to be quite patient no, though, haven't you? Shit. With a dog like. But, but that's good because that tells me that you're quite a patient, tolerant person. Do you know, I, I really, I think the way she is with our kids is so, it's, it's so heartwarming to me. And she's so happy to be in our. She's so happy to be in our family. It it really it warms my heart so much. 
and I think the patience we have had to have with her yeah. uh, has taught has taught me a huge amount. Has it? And I, I ca- cannot imagine not having a dog now. Really, really? I can't imagine not having this dog. Really, but it's um, yeah, it's been I've I've I've, I've loved it, and I'd recommend it to people who have patience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With your parents, it was very creative. It was creative, but in the in the early days, and uh, they 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 wouldn't disagree with this. It, we were definitely encouraged to kind of seek out a prop, like a proper job, and it's great to be creators. Brilliant. I mean, like we would, we would, we we got music lessons, uh, and we were encouraged. There were instruments in the house. We had a drum kit. We had a piano, and my uncle would come over, and we'd all kind of jam and stuff. But that was all. Oh, our coffees were over there. Oh, thank you. I'll go and grab them. I'm actually going to put a lid on mine. Yeah. Because you know what situation Daniel's going to be in if he sees a, you know. A wild oh, urban yeah. fox or something. There we go. No, I'm all right here. There we go. So yeah, so your 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 dad was in his sort of financial job, wasn't it? And your mum was a teacher. Is that right? My mum worked in the school. My mum my mum worked in the school. Yeah. Mm. So um, I think they they were encouraging in in so many ways, but I think they were they were also kind of making 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 their way in the way that they knew that they were kind of taught and they were they were taught by parents who obviously felt quite it was essential to them to be um he's frightened he is what's he frightened of it'll be that the the groove in the in the he's very frightened of markings on the road wow come on wait wait i have to do this it's all right sweetheart i'll go with you he does look quite stressed (laughs) it's like he just crossed the, the the grand canyon in one single leap so yeah, you were saying, so your mum was a secretary, uh, they didn't say the word secretary anymore, do they? But she I worked not, at a school. She did, she worked, she did all, all manner of things at a school and obviously was, was raising us and all that kind of stuff. And they were, they are, they're, uh, uh, I think I never really cottoned on to how much the, um, the background that they came from informed their lives and us, mine really. So I kind of... I barely realised that I was so culturally um, mixed when I was growing up. Apart from the fact that people always used to say, "Have you been on? Like, have you got a tan? You know, why have you got a tan all the time?" And I didn't really. I never used to say, "Well, because my mum's Burmese Indian." I didn't say that. I was like, I didn't really, I didn't really get it because when my when they came over here, because my my Indian grandfather was part of the British Army, he was one of those types who would have expected to be very English over here and would have expected right. to arrive and be like oh welcome this is your country and of course the opposite happened and he was treated quite badly really and, yeah. and, and, and they were when when they first moved here and you know for my dad his mother was a, a Prussian Jew with a very heavy German accent who um, was separated from her family during World War Two, and she was frightened to speak German, frightened to have a German accent and certainly too frightened to follow her religious background. So I think that kind of idea of all that kind of cultural kind of cauterisation mm. really kind of played a big part in their, in their lives. It's only something I'm starting to put together now, which is... That's so interesting, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Come on, Ray. There you go. Ray, bounding um, through the long grass like, a, <laughs> like an antelope. And it was you and your brother, Ben. Yeah. So you were living in, is it Wiltshire, yeah? Uh, yeah, so we were living, we were in Essex first. And then when my dad's job changed, we moved 
my dad's job changed to somewhere in Swindon, so we, we went to a, a village near Swindon. So it's you and your brother Ben. Yeah. Did you? He's and he's Ben's older. Ben's four years older. He's a musician and a producer, an amazing songwriter. How did um, did you get on when you were kids? Always got on. Yeah, we really we we, we got on so well. He 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 was a, a great older brother um, in the sense that he really kind of he allowed me to enjoy his pursuits without being you know like you always want to younger kids always want to do what their older siblings are doing yeah. but uh, they can either be really annoyed by it and put away. <laughs> he was the total opposite he kind of always encouraged my interest in in his interests so when he was learning the guitar he would show me things when he was learning how to record stuff we'd record stuff together and he'd allow me to come along to his band practices to kind of watch and stuff and it was never you know it was he's he's great and we're very close these and when did you get the sense Jamie when oh. you were growing up or did people around you get the sense that you know, often if you speak to comics, you have the, oh, I remember people saying, oh, he's funny. Mm. Did you have a moment of, oh, Jamie's musical? Well, I mean, there must have been, yes. It's, it's, I feel like I've never properly answered this question either honestly or <laughs> straightforwardly, because I'm still trying to work it out. So, yeah, I did, occasionally I was picked to, like, sing a solo at a school concert. Occasionally I would, like, play at some festival or something, you know, as a, as a young kid and... We went to church every week with my mum and we'd occasionally, I don't know, play, me and my brother would play something on the guitar or something. So there was that, but I can say for certain that nobody thought I was some child prodigy. And nobody really? was saying, oh my God, your child should go on X, Y, Z. I was fine and I was sweet and I always looked about five years old even when I was like 10. So there was, so there was that, but I wasn't like winning awards or like, part, you know, I failed my grade three and then kind of gave up. and. This is what, um, grade three piano? Yeah, yeah. Did I just, you? I just wasn't, I wasn't kind of, I was more interested in kind of, I don't know, football and He-Man and stuff. Those days. Oh, they've, 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 there's like brethren there, aren't they? That's a Shih Tzu as well, isn't it? Oh, Ray's met a little white Shih Tzu. Yeah. Who's got that brilliant hair, looks like um, one of White Snake or something. Yeah, exactly, yeah, like a 90s hair metal star. Yeah. yeah. Oh, isn't that sweet, Jamie? They're getting on rather well. Does that, does that, is that a familiar sight to you to see that? The owner's saying no, I think. Oh, I see. Okay. Oh, God. Ray! Sorry! Raymond! Come here! Ray, Ray! Ray! Oh, now he's going to embarrass me. He's more interested in his new Oh, my God, he sat down when I called him. Oh, my God, that's so rude, Jamie. Raymond, come on! Come on, please. Come on, good boy. Good boy. You see, normally I bring treats, but like, come on! <laughs> So for the I just, Jamie, do you want to explain uh, what happened? Emily just called her dog and a stranger's dog came instead. It's quite a sight, actually. I could see who's in charge here. Was there a time when you ever sung a song, like mm. in front of the bathroom mirror or whatever, and thought, oh, that sounds good? No. Really? Absolutely not. No, no, definitely not. I've, and I've, I've said this before, but it's so true. I, I was not, like, in front of the mirror with a hairbrush as a mm. microphone. And I didn't... I wasn't, like, harbouring, like, some inner desire that was being suppressed to, to be <laughs> like on stage I, I was I played Oliver in the school play and I resisted it I resisted it for I resisted it and I hated the fact that I was doing it for ages and I did it and it was fine but I didn't want I didn't want to do it and I think if I thought about what I was going to do I thought I would write words I thought I might be a, a journalist or I'd, I'd write books or I'd write I don't know films or something that's probably what I thought I would do as a, as a teenager 
I think it's a bit like just because you go skateboarding as a kid, you don't necessarily think you're going to be like a pro skateboarder. It's like I played a bit of music and I liked it, but I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily like overly gifted. I lived in such a kind of provincial kind of area. I didn't, mm. it, it seemed like such an outside kind of, you know, we only had the television then, didn't we? We'd, it was such an outside kind of concept. It kind of, it didn't really kind of cross my mind until I guess I started getting really obsessed with playing music and learning more about music and finding out about all these kind of sub-genres within sub-genres and becoming a real music nerd that I thought I might quite like to do something in music but even then I thought I might write about music didn't even think I would necessarily perform it seemed like such a mystery and I wanted to know more about the mystery but it, it was not obvious to me that I needed that it would be my career um, and I think I think that's the honest answer were you confident and popular at school, Jamie? Confident and popular. I think I went to quite a small school and I pretty much got on with everyone, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know whether I was confident. I think I was, I was kind of in the middle, you know? Yeah. I definitely, music definitely was a bit of a crutch, you know, as a teenager. It's like, well, you know, if, if all else fails, at least I can play the entire Nirvana Nevermind album on the guitar, <laughs> you know, to impress someone. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was definitely a, a crutch and helped with, I think that's so often the case with kind of teenage musicians who kind of fall in love with the guitar and stuff, it, it becomes so. your thing. Yeah. yeah. And do you think also, I mean, you're like me, you're, I describe us as petite, Jamie. Yes. What effect do you think that has on you? Do you think that means that you have a bigger personality in some way or what, or do you think it has an effect at all? Um, yeah, I, I, I never really had to examine that until I, I, I became a known person um, because my entire family are all, are all very short. So I'm actually, <laughs> I arrived at school at four years old and I was really like mi miniature and uh, I used to kind of get picked up and kind of carried around by the senior school. Uh, uh, by members of the scene school, I had to, they had to announce it in assembly that that wasn't that wasn't allowed. Assembly. I was loving it. Yeah, exactly. What I probably, did they I can't say remember. in assembly? It's kind of yeah. It's gone into kind of uh, it's, uh, it's 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 gone into legend that story. Uh, oh, how uh, brilliant, Jamie! I think more than being uh, not so tall, more uh, I think looking young for so long was a real a, a kind of thing. I think when you're a teenager, mm. not kind of looking as old as everyone else is a bit of, is a bit of a nuisance. You know, if I, if I kind of really think back, I'm like, that, that always felt like a, a, a real nuisance. But again, where I was growing up, it's not like I was in London or anything. And there were, there were pubs that we all knew we could go to. And there was the club that we all knew that they'd let yeah. anyone in who turned yeah. up. So again, I had quite a close-knit group of, a small group of friends. And, and we'd all known each other for a long time. So it was, yeah, it's, it's interesting to think back to it. So you were quite academic weren't you reasonably yeah yeah i mean I, I, th I think so i think i did i was quite good at i was quite good at being given a task to do and i could kind of get it done if i think back to if now i know like real academics and people who are really academic i don't think i was like that but were you naughty no god no no i wasn't naughty i was i was n naughty in secret but like not yeah. not kind of outwardly no i was i was pretty good at kind of getting on with it really toeing the line and at that point you've decided to go to university, haven't you? Mm. Did you apply? Was there something about you were going to go to Oxford or something? Yeah, that was a uh, that was uh, something that was discussed. I, I wrote a, a, a history piece for my history A level um, that included some of my grandmother's story, 
um, which was really, it was really interesting. I, lo I loved writing because I loved writing. And um, I was at a really great um, state school in, in Chippenham doing my A-levels. And they took us up to Oxford and we did all the applications. And the, the, the piece that they, that I think, I can't remember exactly what it was, but I think that piece, the, my long essay or whatever, got published in some local kind of journal or something. And um, that was definitely kind of on the menu. But it didn't feel, it didn't feel right for me. Um, I Did couldn't not? quite put my finger on it. Didn't, I think probably... Your life would have gone in a very different direction, wouldn't it, if you'd have pursued that? Let's go around this way. Maybe. I, I, I think looking back on it, I, uh, possibly at that point, I knew I probably wanted to do something creative, but I wasn't able to yeah. articulate it. Or, uh, no, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you the, probably the better word. I wasn't able to own it at that stage because yeah. it seemed combination of like ridiculous and maybe like vain or I don't know. So you ended up going to Reading. Mm. Yeah I took a year out before then and I, I, that's when I really started getting into playing. That's when I really started you know I started playing in pubs and joining loads of bands and. And you taught yourself you were saying about grade the music is interesting because because it's sort of maths music on some oh, yeah, level, and I still it? find it difficult. And I wish I wished I'd I wished I'd studied it really, and I still kind of plan to at some stage. Um, I'm still mostly in the dark about a lot of theoretical and kind of building block aspects of music, which really frustrates me. Um, but it's I guess there's there's just a there's a major curiosity to learn all that stuff, which I still I'm still really hopeful that I might get it under my fingers one day. Acting like you're someone desperate. Not I really all. hope one no, day. Not, 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 you're not doing all right, Jamie. I tell you what, it's not. It's not about. Um, it's. It's not about. Uh, I, I promise you, there's no like kind of overly kind of humble brag thing about that. I really. I'm around people that are absolute masters of what they do. Right. And I, you know, on part of this Christmas album that I've made, I, I got a guy in to play piano on some of the things that I know I couldn't do as well. And I sit next to him while he plays. And I know how many hours he's put into doing that specific thing. Yeah. I mean, I've probably done that, but with more with songwriting and trying to write a combination of lyrics and music yeah. together. He's done that at the piano, improvising, playing like a combination of Bill Evans and Oscar Peterson, but for like 10 hours a day, you know. And that is why he's that good. I know, I know what it takes to be at that level. You, you often know. say, oh, I can't really read music, but obviously what that means is I can't sight read fluently, doesn't it? Essentially, uh, no. I, I mean, I, I can do. I, I, if I'm looking at a stave of music, I'm every good boy deserves fun. Yeah. Good boys <laughs> deserve fun. Yeah. No, I, I can't read. I can read chord symbols, which is yeah. like the kind of cheat sheet for learning tunes and stuff. And I've got a really good ear, but I, I, I've never really sat down and tried to try to get into that in a really detailed way. Although I'm, st I've, I've started to actually, mm. and it's really, it's just, it's just, it's just great to know. I think that's the thing that keeps certain musicians and artists they, they live a long time because they're still kind of curious about it all yeah, i'm definitely curious true. about it all i you know for a lot of kids music should feel like it's fun you don't i don't think many kids walk into a maths lesson going this is going to be amazing you know yeah uh, i think they kind of go like well Brian we kind of have Fox, to he's the only one who ever well, did that <laughs> exactly can you imagine if he was all our <laughs> i mean he kind of is these days isn't he he's amazing god he's, and he got to have a music career yeah as well. i know yeah he, he deserves everything he gets he's literally like one of my major pin-ups i love oh, him really? yeah, yeah talking of him. major pin-ups who mm. were your musical heroes when you were growing up then probably kurt cobain you know that album nirvana's never mind yeah. came out at precisely yeah. the time the, 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 the precisely the time when it was aimed at my you know i was 
11, 12, 13, and it was just like, yeah, this, this is everything. I, I would say that was probably the first kind of musician that I just, I needed to know everything about him, and I was kind of obsessed with so all the Nirvana albums and stuff. And then I think a lot of, a lot of, a lot of hip-hop that was kind of jazz-influenced, so Tribe Called Quest, yeah. the Beat Nuts, all that kind of stuff, because there was so much jazz in a Tribe Called yeah. Quest, and they kept referencing, I'd heard yeah. names, Miles Davis and Herbie Hancock, and... Donald Byrd and Lou Donaldson, all these people within the music, they were constantly referencing them. You know, even Beastie Boys uses a lot of um, mm. a lot of jazz samples. And so by the time I was in my local library flicking through the vinyl, thinking about what I could get out because CDs were so expensive, I would go, oh, Miles Davis, all right, yeah, I know that name. And I looked at the cover, saw this unbelievably cool-looking guy holding a trumpet, you know, these amazing dudes on the back of the vinyl thinking yeah I'm going to check this out I put it on it blow my mind I didn't know what the hell was going on it yeah. sounded like a racket but it felt um it felt so creative and, and exciting and I, I was so I wanted to understand it but I knew no one who was into that music apart from me and my brother and then I'll tell you what else actually I've, I think I saw Harry Connick Jr on like breakfast tv one morning before school and he wasn't doing the, the big band crooner thing. He was playing like this New Orleans style kind of blues mm. jazz piano and singing on like TV AM or something like that. And I just, I never heard anyone, I never seen anyone play the piano like that. And it, I remember thinking that was, really? that was How amazing. amazing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I wish he, I hope he knows that, Jamie. He does, he, he does. Know, I've had the chance to interview him on my radio show and I, I, to I told him, and he. Uh, yeah. What did he say? He was. He. I mean, he's a. He's a deeply, deeply lovely human being. I like yeah. him so much. Yeah. He's great, and um, so yeah, that that was really inspiring because there wasn't that kind of stuff on the TV, and then there was a prom. Oh, you see, my dog would have that in his jaws in second. Daniel's quite interested in. <laughs> Having a peck around at that. Jamie's like the sort of David Attenborough when he suddenly says, and the squirrel will not make it past another winter. Exactly. Oh, my my dog said be in his, his jaws within seconds. <laughs> um, so you go to university and you, as you say before that, you spent a year, I feel that your, your gap year, mm. you know, everyone else was off essentially either getting wasted or, you know, yeah. doing a sort of job just to earn money so they could go out, or all sort of was their sort of education. But I feel that was sort of your year of prep, you know, for your musical career. You were laying the foundations, weren't you? I, unwittingly, yeah. I was, yeah. Because I, I had, a, I had the, the usual... I, had, I worked in a petrol station um, behind, the, behind the counter. Oh, I can see you there. Yeah, can you With see that? With a little polo shirt. Almost certainly had a polo shirt. Oh, I darling. would have had, like... Bird song by Sebastian. I would have been reading that probably. Oh, in your back would pocket. Would have had music that I would have mm. to keep very low that, that would have like made people go out of the shop. Yeah, so it's insufferable probably. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 so I did that job and I just started getting um, gigs playing in pubs. And mm. that's when I realised that uh, you know people were paying me to come in and do that. And there was no one really, certainly around where I was living, doing kind of who knew some of these old kind of jazz songs you could sing and play. And I started playing with all these, I call them old men, because they were definitely a lot older than me, but mm. I started getting involved in this local jazz scene, and I mean, in and around Swindon, basically. Wow. And turning up at these pubs with these musicians who were so, they were so much fun. And it turned out to be the thing that actually made me that kind of Saturday job, you know, gap year kind of money to go. And I went traveling for a bit and, you know, did the usual kind of gap year kind of nonsense that, that, that we and all you, do. Um, 
I remember seeing a South Bank show on you. Mm. Um, and it would have been, I guess, about 2003. 2003, yeah, yeah. 2003. Yeah, I, I know think, my I stuff. Think it I was know then. my column. You do know your stuff, um, don't you? Yeah. And yeah. it was brilliant because I remember at the time, Melvin Bragg was saying, Today, we feature one of the most talented, you know, and it was this, it was almost like he was apologising for the fact that you'd gone stratospheric because we decided to follow this young jazz musician and then suddenly, in the year that they were filming you, you became huge. Yeah. So, but it's, honestly, Jamie, I don't know if you've watched it in a while, but I, I went back and had a little look oh and it's the most adorable thing. Is it really? Yeah, there's you appearing on Nobody likes the word adorable, do they? <laughs> Is that a good word? Well, you're appearing on... Because Michael Parkinson, you appeared on his show and that was... That was a big moment for you, wasn't it, as well? Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's so hard for me to kind of remember it all. <laughs> I, I, left, I left uni and just basically decided I was going to try and play music yeah. for however long I could until I had to get a real job. My goals at that point were just to kind of pay my bills and have a really good time. And I had so many gigs at that point. I was playing in rock bands, pop bands, jazz bands. I was just doing all sorts of things. And uh, it was just, it kind of took up all my time. So I thought, well, why don't I do that? Because that's, you know, I may as well. And so I, during that time, um, all this other stuff happened. My demo CD got to a small record label. They signed me and then I made another record for them. I met some really good, great London jazz musicians who really helped me out and helped me put together this other record that then got picked up by Universal. And I think... That That's kind of crossover from yeah. the small label into Universal was around the time Southbank Show were filming me. And there was the cutest moment. You were in the dressing room. Cute. Again, it's like adorable, isn't it? No, no one wants that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take it though. It's all right. I'll forgive uh, you. Do you know why I can say that? Go on. Because I'm in the petite gang. But yeah, you were in the dressing room at Parkinson in the Southbank Show. Yeah. And you were saying. Look at all these things that they've given me. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not being... Probably like a pack of chewits or something. It, it was, was it? a bit. Jamie. Yeah, exactly. I know. You it's it's so it, true. You were so sweet. Oh, no, I said sweet now. Yeah. You were saying, I can't believe it. Look at this. I've got flowers. I've I, got a Joan Malone candle. Geez. I've got... And then you, they panned into the fruit bowl. And you said, oh, you went, grapes. Grapes. <laughs> was I being ironic? Yeah, okay, that's good. I think you were being very knowing. It's very okay. funny. But I did get the sense that you were genuinely, you were experiencing this extraordinary thing that you hadn't, I don't know, there was something really charming about it, just the, the mm. joy that you were feeling. But also, if I'm honest, I can imagine it must have been quite overwhelming because yes. it happens so that part of it Quickly. was over. So that the playing part, I felt like I could cope with because I'd done, I'd done my kind of ten thousand hours at that point. I played so much. I yeah. knew that when I was sitting down there, even if with twenty cameras on me, I'd, I'd be able to do that bit to the best of my ability. But I think I wasn't prepared for the other stuff. And um, and what what the, by the other stuff the the celebrity side of it, I suppose. Well, I, I don't think I, I don't think that ever really became a major part of my life. But at the same time, I think just the idea of being on a big telly show like that, yeah. it was it was. You know, and the free chewits and the free grapes was just too much for me. I, I think I came into it quite guileless. Yeah. And I look, I see young artists now who are so t kind of together, like with how they're, they want to be perceived and how they're, what their brand is and how yeah. they kind of see their career panning out. I was just like thinking, oh shit, I've got a gig at the, the, the ship in next week that I forgot to 
book a bass player for still while I was doing Parkinson because really? I had gigs kind of booked when I had to call up all the pubs and cancel my gigs that I couldn't do because I'd been signed by Universal I felt I was that was a that was because I've been doing all that stuff for so so long it was quite a weird experience did you uh, feel ever because again in the, the documentary that I'm obsessed by and I'm going to make you go back and watch mm. it that'll never happen you have to literally you have to do that clockwork orange thing with the with the eye drips and the yeah even though it was 20 years ago, I haven't moved on from it, Jamie, because there was a man in it, and you went to some regional station. Yeah. And he was one of those kind of quite old jazz yeah. buffs. And yeah. it was, I remember he was sort of saying to you, well, yeah, but this isn't jazz. I mean, mm. you, there was a, a weird sort of element of suspicion almost. You yeah, know? absolutely. That was, that, was a re- that was... Let's go here, Jamie. On the game that was my bizarre, floor. extremely unique struggle at that stage of whether what I was doing was kind of considered real kind of jazz. Um, that, was, that was a bizarre, it seems so comedy at the time, because I guess because I was mixing up such a kind of pop element and I was not like uber trained and, yeah. and particularly uh, te- technically kind of gifted. And really, it, I just remember feeling like I had to kind of legitimise myself a lot. Um, and also, I didn't know any other young people that were doing it. So there was no kind of... I mean, the first person I remember meeting that really like loved kind of jazz in the same way that I did was um, was not until much later. I do remember kind of feeling like I had to kind of fight fight my corner and then thinking, well, maybe I'm not. And again, it wasn't important for me to be like real jazz, but at the same time, I, I really I wanted to do that, and it was, it was it was I remember feeling that pressure quite quite strongly actually. And I think it's difficult, isn't it? Because you had this. It's what everyone would have dreamed of what happened to you, but. Mm. I imagine it came, I imagine it's, it's sort of difficult, isn't it? Because you want to enjoy it and it's the thing you always, you would dream of happening if you're a musician, but when it happens to you, I suppose it's a bit how, like a wedding, it's like, oh, this thing I've built up to, I've built up to, and then it's happening and then it's going so quickly and it's just yeah. like going, do you know what I mean? It's a, it's a, it's a really good analogy that with a wedding actually, because um, you do, there is a point where you go, oh, this isn't <laughs> what I thought it'd be. And also I, I I think I've been asked so many times by young musicians, like, what, you're like, what do we need to know? Yeah. And it's like, I'd say, make sure you're doing something you really like. Make yeah. sure you're making the music you want to make, because once you're in it and you're in the, the system kind of doing it, yeah. I mean, this was certainly true when I was coming out. It might, might be different now, I don't know, but if you are presenting a, a product that is, it doesn't mean the world to you, this is going to be really hard because uh, uh, it, it, it needs to feel that way because you're going to get asked all kinds of questions and you're going to need to have authentic answers for them yeah. and if you don't you're going to go to bed and feel and cry every night you know right on cue yeah exactly, exactly thank you right. for that we've That's paid right. a lot of money to hire that child <laughs> in the agency Jamie I love Raymond um, do you like Ray? oh I love him he's so sweet oh I love that you love him mm. do you think well do you think you're, you've got two daughters haven't you yeah um, I love their names as well they've got such brilliant names mm. Margot and Lyra, Lyra is yeah, it? Right. What do you think they would make of Ray? Oh my God, they'd be obsessed with him. I mean, what, what's not to love? He's well, like a beautiful... He's very... He, I think he's also... He's, he's clearly very kind and calm as well, isn't he? You have no kind of worries about him kind of like launching himself at someone's neck or something. And he's, he, he looks very unique as well. So I they'd, do, lo- they'd love him. I, I imagine very few people don't love him, surely. You know what I've noticed, Jamie, is that because he's so sweet and I think what he does is he brings out a sense of your childlike sense, and I've noticed with men particularly, like let's say sort of older businessmen or something, 
they look at him, I see a smile break out on their face, mm. and then I see them stop themselves and say, they feel uncomfortable with being, with feeling childlike. So they'll go, well, what is it, some silly mop? <laughs> and I think, no, go back to your original yeah. response, because that was the right one. I hope that's, I, I feel like there's a bit of a sea change um, with, with men in that regard. Do, do you? I think, I really, I, think I do Men are a lot better that. at expressing their, their kind of vulnerabilities and their, their, you know, exactly what you're describing. I think maybe that seems to be more like prevalent because it's got to be good for all of us, right? I think, do you think you've changed in that regard? I know you've oh, said absolutely. Sophie's changed you a bit like that. To- I mean, to- totally, but I, I think, I, I think that happens ideally in a, in a kind of committed relationship, doesn't it? Because you can't, because you kind of know where to kind of hide and actually, um, I have, I have, she's very, very good at um, expressing herself uh, and her, and the way she feels and, I don't know, I, I think there is a male-female aspect to that. I'm sure that many people could disagree with that as well, but I certainly feel like I've become more emotionally uh, literate. But at the same time, I notice my kind of male friend contemporaries having a, I think it's just, it just seems to yeah. be something that's more, it's more okay now. You don't tell a, 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 a boy child to kind of man up these days. Yeah. You know, it's like something you just don't say because it's not, it, it's not relevant anymore. I think that's... Depending on who great. your dad is. I, bet, I, think well, I suspect Baron Trump gets told that. <laughs> yeah, no, look, look how good that's, that's worked for everyone. You played, um, you went to the White House for Barack Obama. Was it I Barack? Did. Yeah, yeah <gasps> it, was, it was for International Jazz Day. I mean, that's one of those situations where I felt like I'd been beamed in from another planet. Um, you know, on stage with Herbie Hancock and Aretha Franklin and Al Jiro. And it was, it was kind of indescribable. Uh, and I just had to, it's just a point where you just have to kind of breathe into your you know, sense of who you are and what you do and go, all right, I can do this. And I just remember before I was about to walk on stage and I could see Aretha Franklin sitting there, Herbie Hancock sitting there, Barack Obama and Michelle Obama just there. And, and my wife was sitting just, just two rows behind them as well and just thinking, I'm so nervous right now, I could literally just shake instead of having my hands on the keys. And then I just took a moment to go, this will never happen again mm. in front of these people right here. So just, if you don't enjoy it, you're, you're not, you're not making the most of something that is just so I, I managed to I started playing with about four bars I saw I saw Aretha Franklin going huh, kind of nodding like going yeah it sounds good um, and uh, I knew everything would be okay and it was just it was just it was a, it was an amazing atmosphere that day it was a real celebration of music and I think President Obama is someone who who, who is cl- clearly has mu- music as he feels mm. music in the way I, I really notice with other kind of real kind of music lovers. It's like it's something that's so much a part of his his mm. his way of getting through life and enjoying life and making life a, an experience that feels rich is through music. And it was a pleasure for him to have a bunch of jazz musicians in the White House. Yeah. He was like, I don't think any other presidents can do this, so I'm going to do it. <laughs> and it was a it was a celebration, and everyone was so kind and supportive and. It was a brilliant, best, best experience. Did you, yeah. did you get to speak to them? I did. What, what was that like? It was so surreal. I don't think I've ever been in the presence of that much power and charisma. And I know there are many people that would disagree with the politics that were, that were floating around at that time. I think it was just, there was a real, there uh, felt like a lot of authenticity in that room mm. between, you know, some of the greatest musicians walking the planet. Uh, I'm not including myself in that. I'm including like literally those bona fide legends, Wayne Shorter and Herbie Hancock. There, there is, there is no one on this planet that can deny what they brought to brought to the world. Like yeah. they've literally given huge cultural musical change to the world. And the first black 
African-American president of the United States mm. who just exudes confidence and power and in a way that feels, um, oh, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was oh, inspiring. Yeah, yeah. I want to ask about how you met Sophie because it feels like two nice people found each other and <laughs> there's just a good energy from you two. I don't know what that is. I'm really happy to hear that. I mean, you know, I, I can, she's, she's, she's an amazing person with a, a, a huge amounts of depth that I think people in the public eye, I, I think, I don't think people would know how much she, she gives to the world. Um, she's not someone who'll shout about things she does or uh, she's not particularly demonstrative in that way. And she's just, she's, she's it's amazing. So I think she's, she's incredible. And, uh, you but know, do you know, because she was modelling, um, she's, a, she's a hugely successful author mm. as well. And, yeah. But at the time, you know, she'd, it was in the peak of her sort of modelling career and it was like Sophie Dahl, supermodel, and you met her at an event, didn't you? Yeah, we, we, met, we met at an event. I, I didn't have a huge knowledge of, 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 of who she was because, I don't know, I, can't, yeah. I was so... I was lost <laughs> in a slightly different world, but I, I, I think... The lovely thing about her is I only really ever knew her from the from day one as you know, obviously in, in, in incredibly beautiful, um, you know, impossible to kind of deny that. But she was a book. She was it was all about book. You know, we met and we immediately started talking about books because I was I was reading something. She was reading something, and we both loved books. And she she had written her first book and she was writing. She was finishing her novel at that time, and I was having really probably secretly always wanted to be like a kind yeah. of tortured novelist. I was like, oh, tell me, that was the thing I wanted to know. So, you know, she was modelling then, but, you know, she, she's, she's a, she was always a writer, always wanted yeah. to be a writer. Yeah. And uh, while she, she did some amazing things as, as a model, she, you know, she's a, she's a gifted and brilliant writer. And so we, we met that night on that kind of level, and I just knew immediately that we'd be friends, for sure. I didn't entertain. Did you not? Enter- well, I mean... You know, also she she had a boyfriend. She was living in another country, and mm. and I was like, God, what a brilliant what a brilliant person. And yeah. it wasn't until she came back to when she moved back to the UK and her life had changed quite a bit, and she was, you know, focusing entirely on writing. Then that we we were kind of back in touch, and we we you know around that time things just got guess progressed like like it does. Really, it's very exciting when the first one to break cover, but it's risky. Because you have to, you have to hope that they'll do, they'll feel the same way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I know exactly. What you have to kind of, it's like leaping for the, yeah. for, the for the other side of the the the, yeah. the canyon and not quite knowing <laughs> how far away it is. But yeah, luckily, it, luckily, it worked out. Uh, Does it help as well that you're both, you understand, you both navigated, and I suppose you'd met at a time when that that sort of white heat of you know, fame in a sense that you're navigating it and you you understand that you know that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think for her it was a lot more, a um, lot more intense. Uh, but I would say it, it plays a very small part in our life. I, I guess the things that we really kind of value. You know, I, I love it when people listen to my music, and I understand that in order to for people to listen, you have to you have to be out there in a certain way. And obviously, she would love people to read her books. But I think the other the other stuff that comes with it is is it, it, it's. It's not. It's not something that we as people, and it's not to say that, there's, that, that you shouldn't place value. I know there are mm. arguments for it too, but I think we've always been quite, yeah. you know, not not really that kind of way inclined. I think she was obviously kind of around quite a lot of that in in her youth, so it's no mystery to her. And for me, I've always just been a bit of a kind of 
music, music nerd and kind of, kind of off in the corner talking to the DJ about records while I'm yes. supposed to be at the GQ Man of the Year Awards. You know, kind of like having my photo taken. I'm asking I can someone see what, that. you know, what year that record was recorded. So like my PR saying, come over here. And I remember you talking about the Golden Globes once and I loved it when you said you'd been sent over there because you were working with Clint Eastwood, weren't yeah, you? Yeah, his oh my God, that was amazing. Movie. And yeah. You, um, I, lo- I love you saying, I got an idea of the pecking order of celebrity. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Definitely the Golden Globes, you realise. And again, that, that's, it's, very, it's very humbling, that. And I remember just trying to get, like, a shirt the day of the Golden Globes. And I, I think, well, what, what, can I, what can I... You know, I had a suit, and I was like, I just want a new shirt. So I, someone said, well, you call up, like a, like, a fashion company, and they'll send you something. I'm like, OK. So I called up Alexander McQueen, I think, in, in town. I said, I'm going to the Golden Globes tonight. They're like, they were like, yeah. I'm like, can I get a shirt? They're like yeah coming in and try something on I thought does that mean I get it for free so I went in there I tried the shirt I was like this is great I'll have it okay okay that, that'll be $700 because I'm like oh fuck well, <laughs> so I'm not going to get it for free but you know and then then you get kind of kicked to the curb as soon as Brad Pitt arrives and quite frankly that is how it should be you know that's how it should be he's brilliant at doing that it's like that is not my area of expertise you know but not everyone would feel like that. that and I suppose that's why you know it's what you were saying about having I suppose I think it's about having an interior life. So it's an idea that I always think with comics, for example, the ones that tend to be happiest are the ones that very much go on, see it as a job and think there's an element of distancing yourself from the performer side of you. I get a taste of like the lack of, I think when I'm, when I'm playing if, if a festival or, or, mm. or a gig or something, that's, that's the point where I can feel that that sense of ego and... Um, all the things that could carry, you could carry around with you all the time, they'd be easy to kind of just keep hold of all the time. And I'm not saying I haven't in the past. I mean, certainly in my 20s when I was running around gig to gig and I'm, I, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't married and, I, you know, it, it's, a, it's a funny, it's a weird time and I wasn't mature enough to really understand what was going on, but it's, yeah. I can totally see, I can totally see how it's happened and I've, I've definitely been through periods where I was probably a bit of a dick, you know. And it's it's just part. It's just part. It's part, it's part I, of honestly, it. But I think. But what what person hasn't been through that? that? Well, I mean, I, I, then I've sold I've, <laughs> I've sold you a lie because because that's definitely the case. And I think there's no point in not kind of owning up to that because I think you go through it whether you've had a level of fame or not. Mm. Any what mm. you know you, and if you kind of have to go through it to come out any yeah. other side, you know. And it's it's actually quite helpful to to isolate those times where things like that have happened, you know. The album that I'm most, I've got most fond of, um, and I think it is my favourite, next to Piano Man, which was out soon, is um, Taller, which was your most recent album that was out um, earlier this year, wasn't it? Uh, well, it was, it was last year. Last yeah, year, it's, sorry. It's summer last sorry, year, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, um, what is it? This, this year is hard to remember, isn't it? I know, I'm losing track of time. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's such a beautiful album, Jamie, and... Well, you must know that. Oh no, thank, thank you. I, I, I'm, I'm really proud. I'm really proud of that album in a way that I feel differently to the other ones. Uh, Why? So it's all my songs, and it's. I think. I think there's. I just think there's more depth to it, um, and I think I was searching around for that, and I think there are things on the other album that have, you know, a, a, a kind of murmur of of, of of that, and they have, you know. Uh, youthful aspects that you, you that you can't kind of ca- capture when you're in your 40s or whatever but i feel as though it is yeah i'm just i'm just re- i'm proud of it in, in a number of different ways um, i feel like you took a risk and i feel it's so paid off do you know what i mean in the sense that it feels there's um the age of anxiety won an ivan novello award mm, um yeah. and that's a really 
that's pro that's a really beautiful song. Um, and you mentioned Amy Winehouse in that, and I, I found that really touching, listening to that. Because mm. you worked with her, didn't you? Well, you, she supported you, didn't she? She did. So my very first... So I, 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 I knew Amy just from being kind of a jobbing musician around London. And she, she had sung in the National Youth Jazz Orchestra. She, various members, friends of mine had been in her band, were playing with her, and I knew her tour manager. And, you know, we'd hung out at the same pubs and parties and stuff. And we knew, you know, we knew each other. And then we were both signed and we both ended up with the same publisher, uh, Guy Moot at EMI. And our albums kind of came out at a similar time. Uh, and she was my support act on my very first tour. I mean, it, it was, I was playing really small venues, uh, kind of, it was a kind of a, it was a grand piano in kind of a spit and sawdust rock venue kind of tour. Yeah. Um, in a van, um, loads of fun. Amy opened up for me every night and I knew, I knew without any, I, I don't even say this with hindsight, that's like, there is no way you're gonna be supporting me uh, in about two years, I just, I, I, she, she was so sophisticated. Mm. Her lyrics were, had, I, I used to slightly quake when she'd go on before me because I'd, I'd hear that voice and more importantly I'd hear her songwriter, hear how like, how she was able to access things that, that I felt were very honest in a way that I was not yet ready to talk about in songs. Mm. And she did it in a way that was humorous and was more like a kind of poetry to me. And I, I we, we became friends around that point and yeah, we, we Around that time, we would we would hang out like out 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 of choice on the odd occasion, mm. not like we weren't kind of best friends, but we would definitely hang out and we uh, you know listen to music together and have occasional kind of just hang in parks and stuff. And I lost touch with her when she became really famous, as, as mm. a lot of those friends from her early days did. But mm. we would still occasionally bump into each other. And yeah, obviously, what happened to her is is, is a, just a total tragedy. To me, it felt like a nice nod to her. Yeah, you know, well, I mean, I, I found all her old texts on my on my my an old phone, and it was it was just I had been thinking a lot about people that I've lost, and I'm you know I'm sure you know anyone has that now where dead people are on your phone, and you can't delete their number, and you can't delete the text conversations, and um, I found some of her old conversations, and nothing nothing particularly interesting in them, and stuff. It's like oh, I'll meet you here, oh no, I can't make it, stuff like that. But it was her, um, and. Yeah, I just couldn't, I couldn't delete them and it felt like there were so many reasons I couldn't delete them, but one, because it just felt this mo monument to a, 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 you know, a brief and lovely friendship, but also just, it's so obvious how talented she was at the time when she was alive. Mm. And now she's no longer here and, you, uh, you know, if her music comes on, I, I, still, I can't really listen to it. Mm. It's just, it's too, it's, it's too, it's, it's too sad to think of the times where as a friend, you know, you, you could have kind of reached out, but Again, she was moving in such different circles around that time that not someone I was really hanging out with around that time. I love there's a reference on uh, one of your songs. Is it Age of Anxiety? I think you say, what will survive of us is love, mm. which I associate with Philip Larkin. Yeah. And um, it interested me that because I thought, well, I know you've got an English degree and I see you as someone who's passionate about reading and books. And, and I wonder, do you think having an English degree and just being um, a passionate reader and being passionate about books and culture in general, do you think that helps as a songwriter and as a musician? Uh, yeah, I do, yeah, for sure. I don't think it's essential, I think. But uh, 
just to be aware of, of what is what is possible with words and music. I mean, when you you know, if I think about the people, I think it's just the very best of what they do. Uh, Nick Cave or um, you know Tom Waits or just the kind of the level of poetry they're bringing to their music um, is kind of something to aspire to. And I think a lot of their music is is, is shot through with the with the reading. You can you can you can hear the depth that not only they have just because they're interesting people and they're, they're good at looking within, but also they're 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 interested in in the greats mm, and mm. I I. I love art when I can see all the levels of which other things have been involved. So far on our walk, um, I've just had, you just seem a very chilled zen <laughs> person, Jamie. <laughs> right. I'm not sure how to answer that, really. I mean, there are definitely times when I'm not. There are de- I, can, I can definitely not be, but I think generally I'm quite a calm person, yeah. Well, what, when Jamie's angry... <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Daniel. Come on. Come on. How does angry Jamie sound? So I'm I'm a friend or something. And I'm like, oh no, sorry, Jamie. Um I can't. No, I know. Uh, Jamie, I'm really sorry, mate. On the way here I um I smashed your car when I was parking. <laughs> what you think I'd kind of lose my shit and go, you fucking idiot. Well, I'm gonna kill does, you. How does Jamie react? Uh God, how, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd be a bit disappointed. <laughs> but it's like, unless you did it on purpose, I probably wouldn't be very angry. It's a, it's a tough. I don't know. It's a, t- it's a tough question to ask. Answer. I think, I uh, again, if we go back to my, you know, my my grandparents probably couldn't. They couldn't make a fuss mm. because you know they they arrived here and were put in a council house and kind of were, were, were given what they needed to kind of get on and their job was to kind of get on and just kind of make it work. Mm. And I think to some degree, like, that's got to filter down, right? And it's like, okay, well, you'd best just kind of get on with it, really. But that can definitely be detrimental. And I think I'm, I'm much better. I don't think it's about being angry, but it's about willing to kind of let people down if it doesn't feel right or if it, uh, it, feels, it feels like something's being asked of you that is, isn't fair or isn't, like, you know, authentic to who you are, all these kind of things. Do you um do you cry? Sure. Yeah, I'm much better at it now as well. But isn't that supposed to be a function of getting older and having kids and all that kind of stuff? What did, when did you last cry? Uh, at the end of that film, Coco. <laughs> Seen that film? Do you know? I really want to see it, but I, I'm. It, is it is it nice? You know, good cry. It's good cry. Good. But yeah. I mean, if you, you're made of stone if you don't cry at the end of that film. It's wow. incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So, so movies and stuff tend to make you do you books, movies, yeah, all that kind of stuff. Um, we should talk about the piano man because that's out. I'm so, I so love the album, and this is your new Christmas album, mm. and I defy anyone, <laughs> honestly, I defy you, to put this on and not be sort of dancing around the house and feel like you're going to put a Christmas jumper on, and it it just made me smile. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so, I'm so happy to hear that. Um, and I think I've never written something, uh, an entire record, where it's you have a very kind of obvious set of parameters. Okay, this is mm. what you're going to write about. It's going to be these themes, and this kind of instrumentation. And I love that kind of limiting myself to kind of uh, open it up and writing in that really kind of classic style. Um, but I tried to subvert it a little bit here and there as well. Um, there's a bit of sadness in there. I would describe it as a knowing Christmas album. Yeah, great. 
good. Is that oh, good? You're just, yeah, I'm really happy with the way you described. You should have written the. Uh, <laughs> you should have written the PR thing for it. You've done it. You've nailed it. Knowing that's the word that's been missing from the press release. <laughs> what sort of a dad are you, Jamie? I think you'd be a dream dad. Are you strict? Um, God, I don't know. I think they've got to have some boundaries, haven't they? But I like, I like the idea of of them having a bit more freedom within that. So I'm probably, I'm probably somewhere in between. I think. I hope, I hope so. I don't think I'm that strict. No. I can't imagine. Let's let Ray off. I can't imagine. Well, it's it's love and boundaries, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. That's 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 exactly that's exactly that's exactly how I feel. But all I know is that we're all just kind of poking around in the dark trying to figure it out and anyone who thinks they've got it licked is uh, is, is probably not right don't you think people are too certain about everything these days i'm a hundred percent certain of that yeah i'm not a fan of rigidity yeah with thinking yeah you know what do they say certainty is the enemy of curiosity or something like that I probably butchered that but i think that's good, true yeah tell you what your dog is a uh, is an epic ball of wonder. I love him. And what's is he doing now? Is he just is he just urinating on command? Brilliant. Wow. Come here. Come on, oh, Ray. Yeah, no, he's, he's interested in the drain, isn't he? So you're gonna what are you doing today? You've got some children in need at the back. Jamie, you're on the piano. Yeah, I know. So I mean, we need to I'm so excited you're on the piano. Well I'm not really playing it, so that there's a children in need single that they've got like a million people oh. singing on. Oh here we go, we can't play, it's um, all coming out now. Imagine if that was the that was like Millie Vanilli, the yeah, scandal. Exactly. Jamie Garland. I'd be my, I'd get a much better piano player to mime to to be my my piano double if <laughs> if I had been miming. Uh, yeah, so they're making the kind of video for this kind of um, the charity single. It's a cover oh. of the, the Oasis song, which I I'm not actually sure which bit. I'm contributing on yet, so I'm about to find out. Oh, look, he's dragging his bum on the ground. <laughs> Ray, actually, that's the most animated I've seen Ray all day. Oh, no, no. no, no I'm no. so sorry. Oh. I'm so sorry. I'm yeah. so sorry. <laughs> Raymond, come here, please. Come on. No, Raymond's Raymond, please. Head. Jamie, this yeah. is so embarrassing. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Raymond, please come here. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. <laughs> There was a lady having a yoga lesson, and Raymond's sort of going over and licking her armpits. Yeah, I, I, he, he looks like he's—he looks quite happy with his achievement, to be honest. <laughs> well, I hope you'll go back and see your lovely dog, and I will. I'll tell—I'll tell her all about this. And have you enjoyed meeting Daniel the spaniel? I love Daniel. He's so—he's so chill. He's so happy, and he's just a chill guy. I like him. I have a out. final question before go. you go up to the bandstand on the piano. No worries. <laughs> I always ask people this. What? It's a nice nasty. Oh no, he's chasing after a little child. Come here, Raymond. What do you most hope people will say about you after you leave a room? So what do you hope I'll say today? And what do you worry they'll say? Answer the mean one first. What do you worry they'll say? And what do you hope they'll say? Oh, crikey. That's a hard question, isn't it? Mm. All right. Do you always ask people this? <laughs> Everyone. All right, okay. I think when someone is nice, or agreeable like it's some kind of act or it's um it's something that's kind of put on or kind of van vanilla-ish so that i'd hate i'd hate that to be to be like seem like inauthentic i've genuinely enjoyed walking around the park with you in the gorgeous sunshine with these lovely dogs so there's that and then the nice one would be um uh i guess i really i love it when someone is curious and just interested in life and other people and stuff like that so I hope 
when you're being interviewed, you have to talk about yourself a lot. And actually, <laughs> I normally rather ask someone about themselves. So I guess it was like, oh, that's, you know, he didn't talk about himself the whole time. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that's a proper answer. Is that an answer? I think it's the nicest answer I've ever had. Okay, I well, love that, so that that's maybe not maybe not a good answer then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that guy's a wanker, isn't he? Yeah, that kind of stuff. Oh, sorry, no. I just said wanker in front of a child. I've ruined that child's life. No. I really hope you enjoyed listening to that, and do remember to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes.